Good evening, Mendonesia. This is Doug Livingston. This is the Renewable Energy Hour. Support for the Renewable Energy Hour and KZYX comes from our members. And the Mendocino Cafe, serving Mendocino since 1987. Mendocino Cafe is dedicated to nourishing the body, spirit, and planet with local and sustainably produced international cuisine, wines, and beer. More information, MendocinoCafe.com and 937-6141. And welcome to the Renewable Energy Hour. As always, joining me is... uh, is Alex Aragon traveling by electrons and photons from Willits? Hello, Alex. How are you doing tonight? It, it would help. Oh, if I'm working for. I cut you off. I had long your, straight days. I had your microphone oh. down. Start over with the. How are you doing tonight? Um, I'm doing okay. A little tired from a whole bunch of long straight days of trying to get installations in before uh, the sunset of the uh, tax credits for the year. So, well, if they're not. Sunsetting entirely. They're just going from twenty six percent to twenty two percent. Am I remembering those numbers right? I believe so. Uh, but on some of the uh, projects that we're looking at, that can that can be a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, so. yeah. Trying to, get, trying to get them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got I've got two that are getting in under the wire for that extra four percent tax credit. And uh, for those yep. of you who don't realize, this applies to off-grid system investments, too. This is a federal tax credit related to to renewable energy systems installed and operational for the 26% by December 31st. And for the 22%, that's next year, maybe two years? Or is uh, it, I believe it's just next year. Just uh, next year. There are whispers out there. There were, are whispers out there about 26% being continued into next year, but uh, yeah, we that's need, just whispers. So. We need to get Senate on board for that to happen. Yeah, definitely. Anyhow, uh, um, go ahead. I, 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 well, go ahead. I, was, I had that distraction that I was going to bring up, but we got a guest, so let's go ahead and uh, We do have a guest. We, our guest. I, I didn't have time to... Uh, dig up and figure out how to play on the air here since I'm not really a DJ uh, some fire related song because uh, yeah, every year or you know at most two years we uh, we like to have a show on burning wood which if done right is renewable energy and uh, and as we've had I before, like the fire I like the fire <laughs> <laughs> well, we, were, we were thinking some more darker tunes but Anyhow, uh, we we have with us uh, our guest uh, David Leverett from Earth Lab and Willits. Who, David, your your primary business is burning wood is wood stoves, right? Oh uh, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, uh, wood and gas, and a little bit of pellet. But uh, uh, hello to you, Doug, and uh, and everybody out there. It's just uh, and Alex. Uh, nice to hear talk to you again. So it's uh, it's great to be on the radio again. Actually, the world's greatest radio station. It's just great to be here. <laughs> the world's greatest radio station. Well, it's a, you know, uh, it's a challenge. Prove me wrong. Oh yeah, it is a challenge. I'm just <laughs> looking around me at our palatial estate here in Philo, California. <laughs> Here in the center of the universe. Here yes. in the center of the universe. Well, it sounds good to me, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it, it sounds good to me, too. It's an amazing radio station for 
for the thinly populated county that we have that manages to support this thing for 30 plus years and yeah it is amazing and then congratulations on the, uh, the all the pledge drives too and all the people that contribute it's, uh, it's heartwarming very heartwarming it is heartwarming yeah and speaking of warming yeah I was just thinking that again? was a perfect segue yeah yeah, so, so uh, we we got about twenty things we'd love to talk about. What do you want to talk about first? Well, I got a little list here. There's something kind of new. There's uh, the new 2020 regulations that uh, are put on the wood stove industry, and so they had to tighten up their emissions a little bit. I, I really don't think that needed to happen. I think they've already kind of reached their their peak and were cruising along just fine. But uh, they they made the emissions go down just a tiny bit, and the efficiency's still way up. So. Uh, but they probably made made the cost go up uh, a bit more than a they little, made the yeah, efficiency a bit. go up. Yeah, a little bit. quite a bit more. Some of the hybrid catalytic stoves are, you know, uh, quite a bit more, but they're a little bit longer burning, and uh, it's some interesting technology. And and uh, this, the, it's uh, business is robust. The the uh, wood stove and uh, even gas stove, the hearth industry has experienced its its busiest season in the history of the industry. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, can't even keep up with the orders. Uh, some stoves we order are going to be in in March or April, and some of them are starting to get caught up a little bit. So it's it's very exciting, very exciting. Are, are people preparing for the end of the world or power safety shutdowns? Or yeah, I think well, I mean, locally there's certainly wood falling out of the sky from all the clearing that's been done around yeah, here with yeah. PG&E and and uh, the well, and people just hardening. people yeah people just clearing the yeah, that's what I've been doing is all my firewoods come from clearing the you know 300 foot perimeter around the house you know we had 100 foot and it was suddenly woods and uh and to get the 300 foot perimeter cleared and thinned to so there were no ladder trees uh looking like parkland as cdf told me once was ideal uh, that's where all my wood's been coming from. Well, it, it, it also releases, uh, uh, it's kind of a solar release, so it allows more sun to come in and, and warm your house, too. And, uh, and of course, the advantage is your, your place is a little bit fire-hardened. you got a little, you know, you widen your, your margin of safe, safety a little bit is how I always look at it. Every little thing you can do uh, can make you sleep a little easier at night. Well, just, it amazes me how much dead wood falls in the forest every year I clear out tons of deadwood um it is amazing but, isn't it yeah this, this past year these past two years i've been in a new place and the thick thick forest with you know tons of saplings down low laddering up into the bigger trees is you know was only 100 feet from the house uh we were pretty clear up to 100 feet but beyond that you know i wanted to thin it out a little bit and prevent the ladders and Reduce yeah, the well, yeah there's, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of harvesting, too, because it's it's totally appropriate. And this is really nature's battery, too. I think it's uh, one way of, of providing pretty much an off-grid method of heat that's uh, very, very simple. You get a high-tech wood stove and put a nice dry season log in it, and uh, you're, uh, you're heating your home uh, and and taking some of the stress off of the off of the grid too at the same time off of the electrical grid especially which is uh, getting more and more stress put on it so it's uh, it it feels good all the way around and and reducing your gas burning or more likely propane burning which of course are fossil sure. fossil carbon emissions yeah and, 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 and we certainly uh, we certainly are in the uh, gas stove business too and I do believe that 
by putting in an energy-efficient gas stove in your house, if you're ready to do that, reduces some of your propane and natural gas load because you're heating the area that you spend most of the time in, uh, which is typically the living room, and then the back rooms are a little bit cooler, too. So I think it's a way of of uh, not only reducing your gas bill, but giving a very appropriate type of heat because uh, the, the gas stoves, like the wood stoves, you can back up to them and warm your bones. It's both radiant heat and good circulating heat at the same time, which it's very hard to get out of a whole house furnace. Well, we, we like to focus on that wood, not the natural gas or propane, because they're not renewable. That's true, yeah. And wood totally is it. I mean, I, I think there must be more wood grown in terms of firewood in this county than we can use in one year. So it's, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've cut down, you know, I've, I've done some harvesting around my place, and some of the suckers will come back up, and you harvest those, and you're still heating again. So, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, I read once that it, it took about five acres of forest for one home to be sustainably harvested for space heating. Um and we've surely got five acres per household in this county, although each house doesn't have five acres. But I also wanted to point out that even even on the gas front, what you were talking about was, you know, if you put in a gas heater that radiant heated a specific area of the home that was most occupied and radically reduced the running of the much lower efficiency whole house forced air gas heater that's where you were talking about saving on gas even though you were burning gas to do it yeah well it's a negatherm right it's it's uh, right, one, yeah. one less cubic foot of natural gas a one less gallon of propane <laughs> that you're going to be using and i think that's you're, uh, you're, you're pulling out very, a, it, it helps the renewable equation quite a bit you're, you're pulling on the rocky mountain institute's negawatt huh yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 as Jeff Oldham, uh, the the co-host that preceded Alex uh, and I used to always say is the most renewable kilowatt hour of all is the one you didn't consume in the first place. So we count conservation as as renewable. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It's it's uh, another another baby step forward. So yeah, it's a big project ahead of us. So are there particular things people need to be worried about on putting in new stoves uh, under the new regulations? Uh, not not so much, really. It's just uh, there are very minor changes in the regulations, so it, it really doesn't. Uh, some of them are very, very minor and don't affect the cost of the stove much, and some of them are are a little more serious, like the hybrid catalytic stoves. But it's, it's really nothing to worry about. You, you've uh, still got a good quality stove that uh, burns long into the night, which is something a lot of people uh, are definitely interested. There's a hybrid type, which has taken the technology of the last 20 years and including a, a uh, catalyst combustor to it, which uh, lengthens the, ling- uh, the length of burn for the stove after you load it full of wood and uh, increases the efficiency and lowers the emissions a little bit. They've, uh, so. they've had catalytic afterburners for a while, haven't they? But yeah, that technology, that part of the technology goes way back, but now they're sort of blending it with the high-tech uh, technology, which is a baffle system and air tubes to introduce air into different parts of the combustion chamber to allow for more thorough burn. Yeah. So it's 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 uh, something old and something new all at the same time. I, I just hey, hey, go ahead, hey, Alex. Uh, real quick, what's what is what? Is, what do you add to a stove that makes it the catalytic? Uh, Version. 
Well, a catalytic combustor typically is a ceramic honeycomb device that uh, goes in the upper part of the stove uh, as uh, the uh, gases released from the log burning go up and pass through this. They're allowed, the unburned gases are allowed to burn inside this catalytic combustor at a lower temperature. So it's that one last uh, last, uh, chance uh, to, uh, for to clean up the smoke coming out of the is, stove. Is is there platinum in the catalytic burner? Yeah, in fact, there's a new type, too. There's the old ceramic type that's been around for years. I think it's not unlike the catalytic combustor in your car. Yeah, that's what there's I There's a new one that's impregnated with maybe platinum that's made out of metal, too, which is kind of neat. I think it's a little bit longer-lasting, but um, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting technology. And not all the stoves we still have that. There's other stoves that pass the new test uh, without that, too, so it's, it's not totally necessary, but for those people who want a little bit longer burn, uh, it's, it's, that technology is there for you. So the catalytic uh, part, though, that that's something that actually wears out and has to be replaced after a while? Or yeah, just it can. Or? The, the, it's made of a ceramic. It can uh, wear out, and, and I've seen them last 10 or 12 or 15 years, and I've seen them, you know, go short of that. The, the new stuff, one of them has a 20-year warranty on it, another one has a 10-year warranty on it, so it's it's not too bad. They, they're pretty long-lasting. You know how much and they cost to replace? Uh, anywhere from two or three hundred to five or six hundred dollars to replace the catalytic. How, how would you know when yours needs replacement? Well, you need to inspect it occasionally, and uh, if your stove is behaving a little bit differently, but typically just a visual inspection of it uh, is, a, is a good idea. Yeah, And that, that, that catalyst has to get very, very hot, so there is a bypass valve in some of the stoves that you open up that allow a lot of heat to be built up, and then you close that valve, and then the, uh, the little slide, and then all the gases go through the catalytic combustor before they go out the pipe. Uh, so basically, yeah, this, so is a, this is allowing more gases to burn while they're still in the stove rather than going up the chimney? Right. Essentially, that's right. Yeah, they, they're allowed to burn it. They, they get to burn it at a lower temperature. I don't completely understand the physics and chemistry myself, it's, but it's uh, that's that's essentially what they do. Not, not unlike the one in your car. However, the one in your car produces heat that you don't want. These produce heat that, that you, you do want. want. So yeah. it's... Yeah, it's it's a lot more appropriate in those terms. The the one in your car is simply completing the combustion process so that the exhaust is cleaner. In right. in your case, it's completing the bust combustion process. The exhaust is cleaner, and you get more heat. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a win win situation in a wood stove. Yeah, there's there's okay. yeah, all the carbon monoxide and and hydrogen sometimes and I know isn't that amazing that uh, that. You have this piece of firewood that you got in your backyard, and you can put it in the stove, and you're actually uh, being sort of a part of the hydrogen economy. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I, I, that just amazes me. And right now, I'm sitting in front of my stove in my cave here, and uh, I just finished a uh, warming up an Amy's Frozen on a top of a pizza stone on my stove, and ate that. That was very good. And I'm looking in, and some of the uh, flames I'm seeing are actually blue. Some are red. Some are a little bit yellow. And it's it's just uh, it never it never ceases to amaze me uh, how 
how this works. And inside the stove, there's no carbon, and uh, it's it's really neat. And a lot of that does depend on the quality of wood you're burning. And it, by quality, I mean uh, how how well seasoned the wood is, and uh, that that has everything in the world to do with it. If it's talk, real, talk about the seasoning and the efficiency of the burn. Yeah, well, it has everything in the world to do with it because. When, it, when a tree is cut down or a limb is cut down or a tree falls and it's cut up, of course it's full of water. And there's these fibers that run up and down the tree. Kind of, I, I look at them like a soda straw, and they're, and they're full of water. The tree sort of pumps water uh, up from the ground and back down again. And once the, a piece of firewood is cut and split and allowed to dry, over summer, a lot of that water just evaporates. It just wicks out of the end grain of the wood and uh, allows the wood to burn a lot cleaner because it takes a lot of energy to boil the water out of wood. So it makes every bit of sense to make sure that you have dry wood. If you spend a lot of money on a new stove and don't have seasoned wood, you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah. So there's a difference, though, between seasoned wood and just wet wood. Like, if you have good, well-seasoned wood, but it's gotten rained on a little bit, that's is that just as bad as uh, green wood? Or? Not, not quite as bad, because it's on the, the, surface. the wood may not be quite as soaking. A little bit of rain will, will boil off. But what, what you're doing there in terms of efficiency is you're using the energy that the stove is producing to boil the water away from the wood first. Which doesn't show up as heat in your house. Yeah, instead of heating the house, so so cover your wood. Still, you you can, you can put a, a wetter piece of wood in a stove full of coals, and that will burn off, and it will make heat for you. So it's it's it doesn't have to be a perfect science, but having having a good pile of uh, seasoned wood, I always say that uh, you should have enough wood to last an entire season, and then add. 50% onto that because our, our wood-burning season, our heating season, lasts into the spring. There's a lead and lag time between the time that we call winter and spring and the actual weather and temperature of the climate at that point. So, and the ability uh, to happy solstice. Happy solstice, the ability to get new dry wood in the spring. Yeah, I've, I've found myself uh, going out into the woods in the, in the mid-spring when my wood was running low and looking for standing dead trees in the forest around us that uh still has a good bark so that hopefully uh the winter's rains haven't soaked into the dead wood inside yeah that helps quite a bit too and also it seems like we always have a shortage of kindling too because the kindling is something that can really make things a lot more efficient for you if you have a, a nice pile of uh, dry kindling i've i've been known to go out and get soaking wet kindling and make a little stacked pile next to the stove and let it sit for a week or two and it, it'll it'll dry out it sure Plus makes it, it easier starting that fire yeah and if you need a little burst you can throw a piece of kindling in there and and get it going yeah i've got a a nice pile of kindling under a tarp and many tubs of kindling stored that once the fire season was over i moved up <coughs> under the deck <coughs> yeah yeah that's 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 great yeah yeah, and keeping it covered is very important too. I always, uh, I would like to say I have a nice woodshed, but I don't. I, I put pallets out in the yard and cover it with tarps, and uh, and that tends to work pretty well and stack up the wood. And I have a little bit of help doing that. That helps too. Yeah. <laughs> and how long do your tarps last? Um, 
about a year or two, and I was thinking about going in the plastic tarp business because it just seems very lucrative because the <laughs> things only last a few years. And how else are we going to get little micro particles of plastic spread around the planet if we don't use those blue tarps? I didn't really say that. I, I had a nice big wood shelter at my old place, but now I'm back to pallets and tarps. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's uh, you know that that could be part of your uh, bucket list or your goal to get a good get a little shed. shed going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, uh, a few things on my list are, uh, of course, the, the uh, chimney system, that connector pipe that you see in your living room, that black pipe, and where it goes up through the ceiling and up through your attic and uh, into the outdoors. That's Super, super critical that that be kept in in top condition. What are the critical aspects? Well, if you could take your finger and stick it through your pipe, you know that it's worn out. I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I laugh, but I have seen that before. Oh my they, word! They, they, uh, these parts do wear out. Uh, our favorite type of connector pipe, that black pipe that's in the room that goes from the stove up to the ceiling, is actually a double wall pipe. It has an interior liner that's made of stainless steel and an, an exterior liner that's painted black that's made of mild steel. So if you look at one from the outside, you wouldn't really know it, but this is the type of pipe uh, that lasts much, much longer, and it keeps the flue gases warmer. Mm-hmm. And it's very important that we have, this sounds a little odd, but we it's very important that you have a little bit of waste heat left over in your flue and chimney system to allow the smoke to get out of... Well, as it becomes your fan. The, the warmer those flue gases is, are the, the, more, the more convection you get, the more burning air, combustion air you get. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it's uh, and so it's very important to keep and without those warm gases, without that warm smoke going out to your chimney system, the smoke it, it nothing would work. The smoke would just uh, just come into the house. And so if you have uh, well, you, you wouldn't with, you wouldn't even get combustion air. The fire wouldn't burn. Yeah, it wouldn't. Or if you open the door, the smoke would gladly just come out into the house Absolutely. and not work very well. So this really is I kind of look at it as a a little subtle a mild shop vac. You, you've really got a, a vacuum, a very subtle vacuum in this chimney system, pulling the air into the stove and pulling the smoke out through, and then uh, leading it to the outside. Well, the double wall pipe does a couple more things for you besides getting better combustion air um, and getting the smoke outside. Uh, well, one, the interior lining you said was stainless steel, so it's going to last tons longer than the standard single wall mild steel um which you'll be replacing every couple of years um you'll uh what was the other there were a couple other ones um oh you won't get you won't get nearly as much creosote buildup that's right with a double wall uh, yeah the creosote actually forms when it gets down below 160 degrees so if that smoke goes off too much it's going to cling to the inside of the pipe and uh, in some cases, it could be brushed off. In some cases, it's very, very difficult to get it off, depending on what class of creosote you have. So, that, and, that, and then you're looking at a chimney fire. Right. And, that's and, the biggest that's, hazard. That's do, do you think that's the biggest hazard, fire hazard of having a wood stove is a chimney fire? Yeah, it's it's right on up there. The uh, um, When you read about, a say, a house fire uh, that was caused by a wood stove, more than often it is probably caused by some a problem in the chimney system. The uh, um, 
it's it's it, the, the stove itself is one issue, but that chimney system is usually where the the fire starts. And if a, if you have a proper chimney system, it can sustain a fire. Uh, your house will live through it. And if you don't have a proper system, you've got some real problems. And I run into it on a weekly basis. Sometimes I go out and inspect a a job site and I just come out with my knees shaking. It just looks so how scary. come how come you're still alive? How come the house hasn't burned down? How come you haven't died of carbon monoxide poisoning? Yeah, I guess a little luck goes a long way. Yeah, the carbon monoxide. Uh, my feeling is if you smell smoke in your house. You kind of know it, and then you know that that could be some carbon monoxide too, which is different with gas stoves. But um, uh, it's the uh, the chimney system is very important. So when you sweep your chimney, and you should do that once or twice a year or as needed, it's important to look down there and inspect things and make sure that nothing's warped and cracked, and kind of poke around at your chimney pipe and make sure that it's it's not a problem. From the uh, once you go through the ceiling, you need to have this insulated chimney and it has a lot of different uh names but it's a packed insulated pipe and it it is uh, a lot different than even the black connector pipe that you see in your living room that goes all even the, way the double walls uh, i'm sorry that, that that i didn't catch quite i that. said even the double wall in in the open space this is extra extra insulation yeah yeah and it's been called double or triple wall but it's really a packed pipe uh, at least the, the more modern stuff. Some of the old pipe was air-cooled. It had like three walls to it, and it was just cooled with air. And it, it did a pretty good job of keeping that heat from radiating out into the framing of the house. But it did too good of a job with cooling off the gases. So it's, it's, I think it's better to have the... Well, I mean, the, the real common one in Minnesota County is called metal bestest. It's a shiny stainless stuff, and that's what goes up through the ceiling, up through the roof and then and the roof and beyond not just through the roof but there's uh, some rules and limitations on how far you should go up the just the science of wood burning dictates that you should have in our area 12 to 14 plus feet of connect of pipe starting from the top of your stove all the way up to your cap and the taller that is the better draft that you have uh, and in higher altitudes it needs to be even a little taller than that can can you talk about that cap yeah yeah, well, it's a rain cap. keeps the rain from going down there. And if you look at these old open fireplaces, there's nothing there. It rains down inside, and it goes down inside the bricks and catches on the smoke shelf and just deteriorates everything, and then pretty soon uh, everything's rotten inside. But the, the cap also needs to have a spark arrestor on it, which is sort of a double-edged sword because a spark arrestor is something that keeps the large flakes of, uh, of embers and even... What I've found before is even if you're starting your fire with paper, that a little piece of paper can catch on fire and make its way all the way to the top and out of the cap and land on a valley of your roof or in the gutter and become a real problem. Unless it's soaking, raining, wet, then it's not a problem. So some people do take off those spark arrestor screens during the real rainy season, uh, but it's you know it's one of those code things. It's a uh, they they can be a, a very valuable piece of safety equipment on your stove, but also can clog up and get full of yeah. creosote. And, yeah, they, uh, get, they get the creosote the fastest because the smoke is cooling at the fastest right there, and that's when you get the greatest condensation of the smoke into creosote. Yeah, good point. It really is. And it is one thing that you can visually check from, from out in your yard. You walk out and get a good uh, visual check on that cap and that screen, 
And uh, even if you have to use a pair of binocs to look up in there, you should be able to see daylight through there. And if not, then you're, you're in trouble and you probably have smoke coming out of the door of your chimney yes. or out of your fireplace. I'm sorry. If it's all soda. Yeah, and you're not getting good combustion air and not getting as efficient of a burn and not getting as many BTUs per log as you should be. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, keep, keeping the chimney clean is, is critical. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Let me back up for a second here. So you were talking about the ideal length of your uh, of your flue of your pipe, rather. Um, so you're saying like what is it, 14 feet plus or something like that is kind of yeah, ideal. Yeah, we try to aim for a, you know a, a good tall chimney. Yes, we do. Yeah. The taller the chimney, the better the draft. Right. Yeah. So so like a, a single story house might have a chimney that's not necessarily ideally high but by just making it up taller it's going to give it a better draft yeah, yeah it does a better job there's some safety issues there too that the uh, the codes are uh concerned about is that the that chimney coming out of the beyond the roof of your house needs to be not less than three feet and if you're pretty close to the ridge of your house that peak point of your house it needs to be two feet at least two feet higher than that and if you're more than 10 feet away from that point Here's where it, you kind of have to listen to what this means is if you're more than 10 feet away from that peak ridge point of your house, you need to go up until you can measure over 10 feet horizontally and then add two feet to it. Huh. So down at, okay. the, down at the bottom part of the roof where it gets you know closer to the edge of the house, uh, that, that needs to go up uh, if you're... It's a little difficult to explain, but if you measure over 10 feet, you need to be two feet higher than that. And at that point, it needs to be braced because the chimney can be kind of wobbly up there. And if it wiggles around in a a windstorm, then it's going to break its seal and maybe start drinking rain in through the uh, seal of the chimney. So you're talking, Alex, you know, probably eight feet above the stove to get to the roof and and a minimum of three feet beyond that you're getting close already and and, and in most cases when you're a little bit away from the the ridge it's got to be taller than that above the yeah well you know as as a solar guy i've seen people like eyeballing the uh, chimney and saying wow that's that's creating a lot of shadow (laughs) ah and they want to cut it down it definitely does that's uh it's an impediment to uh, creating uh, good solar electricity, so that's that you got to keep that in the equation absolutely, and try to keep away from it. And also, there's you know there's some smoke and soot and pollution that can land on the panels, and uh, uh, so it's 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 not a perfect science. Good, okay. Well, uh, out here, out here in Mendocino County, when you're out in the woods, you don't necessarily need to put your solar on the roof. Yeah, that's the point too. Yeah, maybe a little. Uh, Easier to put it out in the yard on the ground mount than up on the roof, unless unless that roof is the sunniest place, which happens. I'm sure you guys yep. know that. Yeah, frequently, <laughs> frequently, the sunniest place and still not very sunny. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Uh, chimney sweeping, you can do that yourself if you're comfortable on a roof, and most importantly, if you're comfortable on a ladder, if you understand ladder safety, don't try to use a step ladder. To get up on your roof, uh, you need an extension ladder. Yeah, OSHA, OSHA likes to see the extension ladder extend three feet above the roof you're climbing onto. Okay, yeah, I, I've done at least two, but I, you know, three is better. That way, when you're 
getting when you're mounting and dismounting your ladder, you have something to hold on to, mm-hmm. and then when you set it, make sure that the feet of the ladder have a, a good purchase in the ground. I usually jump on the bottom ring and and make sure that it doesn't wobble back and forth to the left and right. And then when that feels good, and you know that it's on a, you know not on a slick icy surface, but you know sort of dug into the ground, then you can go up and. Uh, and get up on your roof, and there's different types of roofs. There's metal roofs, there's steep roofs, there's not so steep roofs, so it's uh, important to be very, very careful up there. Yeah, another fun little OSHA requirement, of course, this doesn't apply to somebody cleaning their own chimney, but it's something to keep in mind, is they like to see the uh, the point of contact of the ladder uh, not be more than four times as high above the ground as the ladder is out from that point. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's, that's the, uh, yeah, I've often heard that you stand and put a, uh, I usually just kind of jump on the bottom ring and start climbing up, and if the ladder pulls away from the, the gutter of the house, it's then, too know, steep. To, yeah, then you need to have a little <laughs> bit more to it, so I'm sort of seat of the pants with that. You're old school. And, and make sure it doesn't slide out from underneath you, that, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's the stuff nightmares. Do you, ever, of. do you ever tie it off? Yeah, we have tied it off. We've put cleats down there. I mean, we've been on ice before, and we've done it wrong where it slides out anyway and somehow lived to tell the story. And uh, yeah, so it's, <laughs> Did it differently yeah, the la- next ladder time. Ladder safety is everything. It, it's super. It doesn't matter. Which, if you're cleaning your gutters, ladder safety is an, an issue. And cleaning the gutters is an issue, right? And cleaning the leaves off the roof. And I, I've become aware lately that the 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 leaf cleaning off of roofs starts in August and goes all the way to past Christmas. <laughs> so it's not something you just do once. Uh, we have a leaf season that lasts for months and months and months around here. And I, the, yeah. the new place I le- moved into uh, had a storage shed uh, that had three inches of compost on top of the roof. <laughs> You know, the, 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 it looked like leaves and needles on top, but when I started cleaning it off, I realized it was essentially dirt down at the bottom. It had <laughs> never been cleaned off. Could you uh, plant a little grass or throw some seed down and make and, something and of it? No, but I did. Uh, I did. I did <laughs> rake it all off and uh, and start a new compost pile. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, I want to jump in a little bit, and we can jump back and forth to wood. Is uh, gassy too? Because that's uh, something that a lot of people have burned wood for forty years and paid their dues, and uh, maybe can't lift a log anymore and carry it in, so they've switched over to gas. And uh, more power to them because they've they've uh, paid their dues and and contributed quite a bit over decades uh, to keep uh, the electrical load down. But it's very important that if you have a gas heater that is vented. Uh, there are gas heaters that are sold and marketed as, uh, believe it or not, they're, they're marketed as vent-free. Yeah, meaning uh, indoor I, I, combustion. and Aren't those uh, pretty much out of the question for in residential spaces in California? Well, legally? go to a hardware store and look at a box. Uh, they, they sell, especially these little ones with the little green propane bottle that says, mm-hmm. safe to use indoors. And it, it's not true. It's just a big lie. It's a big corporate lie. There's, there's no way that you can have combustion indoors that is that is really safe unless you have your windows open and you're not anywhere near the heat. And why would you want to have your windows open when you're paying to heat your house with mm-hmm. that same 
feel so. Well, they're, 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 they're often marketed for use in garages and things like that. Uh, garages with their doors Shops open with out, their doors outdoors, open. And of course, you're not using yeah. them that way. Keep, keep your TP warm. What do, you, what do you think about direct vent heaters that do have a vent, but it's going straight through the wall? That they work. They're they're tested and approved. That does work if you if you do it according to uh, the test procedures that the manufacturer uh, lies out. Yeah, that that they they, they work well. Yep. Have you, can, have, my my father in law has a fascinating boiler uh, <laughs> wood stove. Uh, do you, do you encounter people with with boiler wood stoves? I mean, he's, he's heating water to do radiant floor heating. Do you encounter that much in Mendocino County? Uh, not a whole lot. It's I am I'm fascinated by it too. I uh, more power to them. I, I love the experimental nature of that. Uh, it's uh, in fact there are even some of these boilers that are EPA approved. You know, clean. Yeah, this this things. one passes California emissions. Yeah. Um, yeah, he actually tells a funny story that that. It wasn't on the list when he was shopping, but it was the one he really wanted. And the reason it wasn't on the list was because they had standardized billets that they did the the tests with and tested the emissions. Yeah. And the billets they had chosen didn't fit into the stove. <laughs> and so the the fans okay. of this stove and the manufacturers of the stove said, "Well, throw in any wood, and it'll still pass." Uh, and they did, and they finally knuckled under and did, and it passed, and, and he was allowed to use it. Well, that's really, I mean, it, it adds several layers of complexity to heating your house. Oh, it does, and it adds, it adds some expense, and I, I sometimes wonder whether in our fairly benign client, whether that extra expense of radiant floors is worth it, but uh, boy, if you're in a place that gets really cold, it's it's a heavenly form of heating. Yeah, it really is. Uh, again, there's a little lead and lag time there if it's a little cold in the morning and you turn on your floor heating. I mean, it doesn't always have to be floor heating, but it takes a while for that to heat up. And then 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it's uh, already 70 degrees outside. And uh, so, yeah, again, it's not only... Uh, this is on a thermostat, so the pumps turn on and off according to oh, the house neat. temperature. Uh, I love him. Yeah, that's, that's just neat. They hardly yeah. run at all during the day, but they do run, you know, midnight through... 9 a.m. or so. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dave, wow. you, you mentioned uh, people changing out from a wood stove to a gas stove. Uh, is, is there any differences, any, anything you have to change about your uh, chimney and flue if you're going from wood to a gas stove? Yeah, uh, good it's, question. It, it's uh, easier to go uh, that direction than the other way. Yeah, yeah. well, once you uh, pull out your wood stove and that black connector pipe inside, you can run this special direct vent pipe coaxial, which is actually, if you look inside it, there's two pipes. One is a four-inch pipe inside, and the other one is a, a six and five-eighths. And you can go up uh, and convert to a flexible pipe and convert that that chimney up in your attic that goes up through the roof without tearing into your attic and tearing into your roof and convert that over and then have a, a direct vent pipe uh, up top there. And it, it works pretty well. Yeah. So, so, so you need to make that change? Well, you know, you can leave. You can leave in a big aspect of the the transition through your roof from the wood stove can stay, right? Okay. Yeah, and what happens in some cases is we drop a four inch flexible pipe down that insulated chimney from uh, top of your roof all the way down through the attic and all the way down into uh, just the ceiling of the living room, and then uh, the uh, the uh, other chamber inside your stove feeds to 
uh, serves to feed the fresh air down into the combustion chamber of the gas stove, and ah. then the flue gases go back up up top. And so it's a it's a real give and take when the flue gases go up. Fresh air comes down, and, and so it's a sealed system. And it also and preheats the combustion air. It preheats the combustion air and uh, and uh, adds a margin of safety so there's no, uh, if everything is connected well and working well, there's uh, no spillage in the house of carbon monoxide. And carbon oh. monoxide is, is uh, that was, you know, gets back to these unvented heaters. Uh, anytime there's combustion, uh, it requires oxygen. It requires room air. It requires air to feed the fire. And what you get in exchange for using your air is a deadly poison called carbon monoxide. And that carbon monoxide is odorless, tasteless, and colorless. And so you can have carbon monoxide into your room if you don't have a vent on your gas heater. While you're consuming your oxygen, you could... Uh, have, is it called hypoxia? Help me here, Doug. Is that where hypoxia? Not getting, not enough oxygen. Not enough oxygen, and in return, it gives you poison, carbon monoxide too. So it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> that, well, very evil. It's it, very evil. The the way carbon monoxide poisons you is it's so close to the same physical size as an O2 molecule, what we normally breathe and attaches onto our hemoglobin molecules in our blood cells, the carbon monoxide is almost identical in physical dimensions and attaches onto those same spots on your hemoglobin. So if there's a lot of carbon monoxide present, it can latch onto the the blood carrying molecule in your I'm sorry, the air the oxygen carrying molecule in your blood and prevent the oxygen from being there. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, oh, thanks for that explanation. I just learned something there. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, anytime there's combustion, those two weird things happen. You've just spent your air that you're breathing, and you've produced poison in exchange. And uh, the the effects of it are are, uh, sleepiness and drowsiness, and you can fall asleep and uh, never wake wake up, up. which is, you know, the classic engine running in the garage suicide. Yeah, it's awful, isn't it? But how how do you avoid this? You provide adequate fresh air one way or another, and there are numerous different ways to do that. You make sure that there are really good draft and no leaks in the chimney system. And and that your firebox is hot or catalytic. Yeah, now we're back in the wood stove again then, right? Yeah, yeah, well, well, I mean... same idea yeah. applies to gas. You're not going to have a catalytic burner and a gas heater, but yeah. But hey, we are. Uh, we've only got about 15 minutes left in the show, uh, and my guess is there's folks who would love to ask you some questions out there in the listening audience. Well, I'd love to talk to them. All right. Well, uh, anyone out there listening wants to join the conversation with questions, comments, or curiosities, uh, give us a call here at the Ron O'Brien Studios at. 895-2448 and we'll get you on the air or talk to Dave and and hopefully Alex and I can can minimize our commentary. <laughs> well, me anyhow. Yeah. Hey, yeah, says Alex who used to hold a remote control when we talked together to mute me. Uh, we got calls coming in, so let's uh, take them. Hello, caller. You're live on the Renewable Energy Hour. Awesome. Okay, so I have a question about Woodstow. I know that many years ago, it became a big deal 
to have external air intakes like coming up through the pedestal on your wood stoves. And then they kind of went away, and I read some research that said that bringing in the cold exterior air actually cooled down your firebox and, and it, that it wasn't good for your combustion, and they were switching over to pulling from inside your room, so you're actually burning some of the air that you've already warmed up so that it doesn't cool down your air box and I, your, burn, your combustion chamber, and I wondered what the current research on that was or what you, you guys see. David, yeah, uh, David's yeah, the man. Yeah, great, great, great topic. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, the uh, um, it's called an outside air, and the stove, all the stoves we sell, most of the stoves we sell are have a provision that you can use outside air. And the points you just made are excellent because it is cold, damp air, and it can cool things off a lot. The big thing about that, the, one of the reasons they came up with that is because of the concern about the availability of air to go into the stove. In and in a, say, a small room in a modern house, everything is is well insulated, your windows are sealed, your doors are sealed, you don't have an intake of air, then the the stove can be starved for oxygen. So uh, most of the systems we put in do not use that anymore, and but they are still available to, to do that if necessary. So if, if somebody and has the a... The test there is if you open the door and you're getting smoke in the room, then uh, it, it can be one of the indicators that you... Uh, your air, your room is starved for air, but a, a really quick test there is walk over and crack a window open, and if that cures it, then you've just sort of proved that problem. But that, you know, smoke in the room could also be a dirty chimney. So, so yeah, that's a very important point. If, um, if the house... certain things that can rob a wood stove from air anyway. For instance, a, a dryer vented to the outside, and, you know, gas dryers really should be vented to the outside, uh, uh, consume an enormous amount of air and pump it to the outside and they can cause a negative pressure in the house, causing this smoke that's not really smart to come out the front door of the stove instead of being smart and going up the chimney. Uh, dryer vents, not only dryer vents, but kitchen fans, bathroom fans can do that. If, you, if there's a, a dryer in the, in the, uh, in the room or in, within the house, not out in the garage, uh, they are, uh, I, I told a story that we have a utility room in our house, and well, we were we moved into our house before it was completed and didn't have a door on the utility room, so put a curtain across there and turned on the dryer, and the curtain bellowed mm -hmm. towards the, <laughs> towards the dryer, and that, that was proof positive to me that that's something to watch out for is, is a dryer that's nearby a stove. So, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Uh, and 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 the tightness of the house—that's one thing I wanted to comment on. That that the tighter your house is to outside air the more likely you are to, to be okay with bringing in outside air for the stove. And the, the, oh, I see. the looser the house is, the older the construction probably, the, the less likely that's to make sense. Yeah, good point. So with the direct vent so, heaters, then it's not a problem. We, we use the gas heaters because we're pulling it in from outside anyway, right? Right, right. And that, that's using outside air. That's what, that, what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah if, you, yeah, if you have a direct vent stove, then uh, that... that uh, the venting system has that built into it, so it's and you and you were saying the chimneys now for for vertical chimney gas heaters are drawing in their combustion air from the outside. Oh pipe yeah, rack. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's been that way for quite a while. Yeah, yeah it's it's coaxial. So, did you say that they aren't putting external intakes on the on the wood stoves anymore, or people aren't that, usually that is, you setting them it, up that it, way? It's a, 
Oh, yeah, it, it's an option, but not everyone uses that. It's quite typical that we don't use it. We did a job up in Leggett the other day that was uh, this massive uh, chimney that we put in a, an insert and ran a, a vent pipe, a flexible reline pipe all the way up. It was a really small room and had modern windows and a modern door. And I said, is this... Uh, this can be a problem. You're going to probably need to keep some doors open to the rest of the house just to get this to breathe properly. So, but it's it's not absolutely. I, I don't think it's absolutely mandatory. And I think the points that you brought up were right on. It can bring cold air into your stove and moist air, and uh, it's uh, there's you can go but, online and read all about you know the different do's and don'ts of it. So it's but uh, it's it, an imperfect science. If it's really new construction and really tight for air infiltration from the outside. If you've spent a lot of attention to that, then you might want to consider bringing in outdoor combustion air. Yeah, and again, the proof there is if you don't bring it in and you're having problems and you crack a window open, everything works fine. You've just proven that point. Cool. Hey, thanks but for the call. Super hot, a lot of these super tight modern houses are starting to put in um, air-to-heat air heat exchangers for makeup air mm-hmm. to send air out and bring air in at the same time in order to keep balanced pressure inside the house. And, so and keep the air quality. In that category, it should take care of it, right? I would think so, yeah. That, that's a great science, too. That's, uh, I, that's, that's really a neat thing where you're not just getting ventilation, but you're warming the air coming into the house and uh, and uh, taking advantage of uh, the warm air going out, too. So it's, yeah, it's kind of I mean, that's where we're going to have to go with these super high ha- tight houses. You just can't have a super tight house and then have no way. You turn on your dryer, you turn on your exhaust vent. You, you'll get you know, sick house in- syndrome. Yeah, yeah good so point. you basically have to have makeup air from somewhere. Right, right. All right, and well, thank you, sir. I certainly appreciate listening to the show. Thank you very yeah, much. Thanks, hey, thanks for, for listening. Thanks for the call. That's a good one. Yeah. And we've had full lines that whole time. Let's take another call. Oop, let me hit the right buttons. Oop, that color didn't hang on long enough. Hello, color. You're live on the Renewable Energy Hour. Hi, Doug. This is Jamie. Hey, Jamie. How are you? So, um, I have to comment because, are you hearing me okay? Yep, yep. Uh, I have to comment because... uh, in, in my in my old place, uh, we had a wood stove, and um, it was a low pie, and we had that provision for bringing in uh, air. So we chopped a hole in the floor and put the duct in and did that, and it it actually was a big improvement. Uh, you know, our experience was that you know it burned a lot it, hotter. Even, even though it's a it's a pretty tight house, uh, you know what happens. What stops happening is you don't have this incredible pressure pulling air in through all the whatever you know cracks there may be, well, it, it was, doors or whatever. It, so you know because that creates drafts in the house, which you which you perceive uh, really readily. Uh, okay. And so having this outside air coming in really reduced those drafts. Really, it really seemed to improve things. Cool. You know, that was that was my experience. So anyway. even even in a leaky house there might be some some benefit from the outside combustion air. Yeah, but I, I I would think so just did, from Did you notice experience. a difference in how uh how efficiently and hot the the stove burned? Um yeah, I, it, it definitely burned. It seemed to burn just fine. Yeah, um, e- you know I, that I, I can't say for sure. Yeah, but you but you noticed the drafts the drafts and the cracks around windows and things went away. 
Yeah, it just seemed like there was a general more better heat all around. And, you know, also we have one of those, um, you know, little self-rotating sit-on-the-stove fans, you know, that has a little electric, whatever you call it. A thermocouple? An eco an yeah, eco fan. One of, the, one of those little stovetop things that yeah. are silent, and and that makes a huge difference because it really spreads the heat around. Yeah, you know? yeah, good point. Do you like yeah, the eco yeah. fans, David? Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that experience. I mean, it's just proof positive that uh, it's a technology that's available and it works in, in a lot of cases and not so well in other cases. But it's uh, that was a good experience. And fans are a great thing. Some of the stoves have fans available for them, and those little ones are. That sit on top are kind of nice too. They're very fast. They're nice because they're silent. For one, thing. yeah, they're nice. they're silent and uh, fascinating at the same time. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to get off. And, uh, hey, thanks for the call, Jamie. Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah. Okay. Hello, caller. You're live on the Renewable Energy Hour. Yeah, hey, Doug, this is W. Dan. Hey, W. Hey, a, few, a, a few years back, I made a, a sauna, and we took an 8-inch stove pipe with an elbow at the bottom, and we put uh, wire inside the pipe, and then we packed it full of rocks inside the sauna area, and we ran a, a rosebud in underneath on the elbow, pointing up into the rocks. A rosebud? A, a rose, yeah, a propane rosebud, a, uh, you know, for heating up welds or things like that. It's a big blowtorch, basically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm wondering if, if anybody has ever played with the idea. I mean, there's all that heat in a wood stove that goes right up the stack with the smoke. You know, you have your uh, you have your flue that you can shut down, but has anybody ever made a kind of something that, that retains some of that heat? I, my dad used to have a box that had tubes in it. Yeah, I had a fan I, on the back that would blow out, but I, I'm wondering if anybody's yeah, yeah. had a, I, something a little yeah, heavier. I, I mean... Rocks would be a little uh, something really would hold that heat. My one nervousness uh, there is you don't. That. And there, there are. Uh, there used to be, in fact, still is this little thing that plugs into your uh, vent pipe going up, and it has a little heat exchanger tubes in it, and it captures some of that waste heat. But a very important point is that a modern stove uh, is plenty efficient with the stove itself, and you really need to save some of that heat to get the, yeah. the creosote and smoke safely out of the house. That, that was my worry. The ones we've pulled out have been full of icky, sticky, scary creosote. They could have caught fire and really caused a problem. So the best thing is to not mess with the vents in your house uh, and try to rely on the efficiency of your stove. Don't worry about a little bit of waste heat going up because it takes that to get these silly things going. You need that waste heat, which expands the gases, expands the air, and allows it to go up. I don't know what else to compare it with. Doug, help me here. I, I compare it with grabbing a wet bar of soap and squeezing it, and somehow the soap always goes up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and, okay. it's yeah, I, I, I have. I had no intention of doing something like that, but I was just wondering theoretically why they don't uh, have something a little heavier that holds the heat a little longer in the room before it uh, have that exits up the top. I've got more wood than I know what to do with, so I'm I'm fine with burning. Yeah. I'll get well, off the air. Thanks, guys. Sure enough, uh, I would say uh, you know you hold the heat down at the stove level. You do not want to steal heat from the flue. Is is my point, and I think David's too. Yeah, good. Yeah, the good way of putting that, Doug. Uh, soapstone. Or something like that if you want big thermal mass. Or just put in thermal mass in the space that's around the stove and that collects the heat. Well, the house is... Oh, shoot. Sorry. Oh, no. I just killed David. Oh, David, 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 David. 
Did did I just use, lose you, Alex? I just got a Skype chirp. No, I'm here. You're there. Um, well, let me uh, bring up the color, and I'm going to try to uh, get David back on the line. Whoops, and all my colors just dropped off, too, because of my incompetence. And actually, we're coming down to two minutes left to go. Uh, I still want to get David back on. Um, but, of course, I've uh, put his number away. Oh, dear. Hey, do we have any announcements to make? Are we going to be... Uh off the air for a while, or what are we, uh, we we don't know what what's covering us. Uh, I'm gonna be off the air at least for a while. Hey there, sorry about that. I hit the wrong button, so let me bring you back. Yeah, it's all right. Um, we only have a minute or two left, but uh, I at the very least wanted to let you be able to give out your contact info. Yeah, great. Well, uh, I have a business in Willits, California, uh, on at 1037 South Main Street. It's called Earth Lab, and we've been around since the beginning of time. We have a showroom full of wood stoves, and some of them, a lot of them are burning. Uh, and our hours are kind of by appointment. There's only a few of us working there. Sometimes we're out doing an installation or a service call or delivery, so it's best to call ahead of time at 707 Yeah, my name is David, and I want to have a shout-out, too, to my wife, Marie, that helps keep things glued together, and uh, got a helper there named Mihail, too, and uh, we kind of pride ourselves on service, and uh, feel free to call and ask questions, and we stock all the weird little stuff that it takes to get a stove installed properly, so you can, we can help you with over-counter service, or uh, even uh, when it comes to getting it all screwed together properly, we do that on the stoves that we sell. Excellent. Thanks, you, Dave. You yeah, Earth Labs, just south of the railroad tracks and bullets. On, on Main yeah. Street, right? You're still in the same spot you've been for eons? Well, actually, this is our third building. We've been here for, you know, 10 or 12 years. We, like, like Alex said, we're across the tracks, uh, not in the same building as Safeway. We're to the south of that, yeah. and it's, it's got a big sign that says Earth Lab on it. So, uh, yeah, we, we love to talk and come in and... Uh, Get warm, and uh, we can talk, uh, help solve your problems. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. We're about to get cut off by the computer, and... and uh